God's given us two eyes, two ears, you know, two arms, two hands, two legs, two feet. You, you, you got to have them. You, you, you've got to have prayer and Bible reading together. They're meant to go together. This is the key. About 17 and a half years ago, maybe a little bit more, I was uh, coming up on my 50th birthday. And I thought to myself, 50. Wow. I've worked hard for 30 years. Now I'm going to turn 50. Huh. I need to have some fun. I haven't had any fun. Worked hard. What can I do to have some fun? And I read in a uh, magazine about a businessman, certain businessman who was turning 50. And what he did was he challenged himself by learning to ride a motorcycle. And I read that. And I thought to myself, maybe that's what I should do. So I did it. I took lessons and I bought an old used motorcycle. And before you know it, I was riding around town on two wheels, having the time of my life. I put my wife on the back. And the two, two of us, we went touring around BC. Not extensively, but enough. And it was just loads of fun. Well, after 17 and a half years, I'm still enjoying the thrill of climbing on my old used motorcycle. Now, don't laugh when you see it. It's paid for. Still runs good. I still enjoy climbing around and climbing on it and riding around town. You know something? Uh, people who ride motorcycle will tell you this. It's the next best thing to flying. You almost feel like you're flying when you're on a motorcycle. Well, believe it or not, prayer is something like that. Prayer will do more for you than what you can even imagine. Most of us don't think that prayer will do that much. Many of us only resort to prayer as a last step, you know, before we jump off the cliff. Well, let's pray about it. But I'm here to tell you that prayer will open up a whole new thrilling world for you. No matter your stage in life right now, no matter where you're at, where you think you're going, I can tell you this. God has got some incredibly exciting things that he will do in your life if you let him. And the key is prayer, believe it or not. Prayer is one of the most amazing miracles that God has ever offered us. Sadly, too many people fail to realize the benefits of regular prayer. They don't realize what prayer will do for them. And so today, I'd like to examine what are the benefits of prayer. I want to speak to you on this subject, what prayer will do for you. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we pause now to ask that you be in control of our very hearts and minds. Please take the word of God and apply it to us. Holy Spirit of God, 
please open the eyes of our understanding that we can see what this miracle of prayer is all about. It's something that only humans have the capacity and the ability to get involved with. The animals, they can't. The insect life can't. Father, I pray for every one of us here today that we would see the gold that's glittering and reach out and take advantage. Teach us how to pray. In Jesus' name, we ask, amen. Well, first, I would like to offer a little word of caution. Please do not think that prayer is just some kind of, uh, I don't know, uh, solitary meditation sort of exercise that maybe children and old people do and maybe Catholic monks or something like that. No, that's a mistake to think that prayer is something that only a few, I don't know, we might even call them the, uh, the unfortunates. Only they get involved with prayer. That's absolutely not true. Prayer puts you in the presence of Almighty God. Did you catch that? Prayer will put you in the presence of God. And you know, come to think of it, that may be why one reason why some people don't like to pray because they don't want to be in the presence of Almighty God. That, I know, doesn't sound very good, but that is the truth. That some people would rather do other things than pray. But other people seem to enjoy being in God's presence. They enjoy it. It's like getting a shower, getting washed, getting freshened up. It's a wonderful thing to be in the presence of Almighty God. And However, though, even many of these people haven't yet realized what all prayer can do. Someone gives you a, a, an envelope and you take that envelope and you say, well, it looked kind of thick. You squeeze it and you say, well, there's a lot of stuff in there. And you open the envelope and you start pulling things out of there. Well, prayer is something like that. Only it almost is like a, a bottomless pit. You, you won't get to the end of it in this life. There is far more than what one human can possibly fathom in one life. Prayer really, really is a doorway to a whole new world for you and for me. The disciples in the New Testament, the disciples of Jesus, they all grew up with prayer. They learned it when they were children. They grew up with prayer, but it wasn't until they saw Jesus praying and heard him praying and seeing the results of that that they got together and they went to Jesus and said, Lord, teach us to pray. You see, they recognized there was something more involved. Many people think of prayer as just, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Oh, and Lord, bless the missionaries. Amen. Yes, that is prayer. But that it really doesn't even scratch the surface of prayer. Prayer really is a door marked push. There's incredible things on the other side of that door that you and I are often neglecting. The Bible compares prayer to the incense they used in the Old Testament uh, tabernacle and the Old Testament temple. And the Old Testament priests would start burning the incense in the morning and burning the incense in the evening. And the Bible compares prayer to the incense. The incense rose up like a sweet smell, a sweet savor to God. And so is prayer. 
You may not know this, but the Bible says that God puts our prayers in a bottle. He, he hangs on to our prayers. They're important to him. You might not think that your prayers are doing much good, but God doesn't think that. Those of you who are parents and you have small children, they bring little artworks and things they've done. You cherish those things and they become more precious to you as the years go on. Your children grow up, but you still have these these uh, ancient relics when they were children and how they, they drew a circle for the sun and a big smiley face and a stick man that was dad and a stick lady, that's mom, you know, and a little dog maybe or something. And they did that. Your child did that. And you hang on to that. You're not about to throw that stuff away because it's precious. Our prayers are precious in the eyes of God. He values them. God puts a very high priority on prayer. He does. And when you and I get involved with prayer, we're going to enter into a whole new relationship with God. But pastor, I'm saved. I'm born again. I've repented of my sin and trusted in Jesus as my Savior. That's wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. And that's what will get you to heaven. But prayer will bring heaven to earth for you. Without Prayer being a central figure in your life, you will never breathe heaven's air. You will never taste the glories and riches of, that God is, has waiting for you. You will never have any foretaste of glory divine. Prayer is what will do that for you. That's what we're going to get into here today. Now I'm suggesting to you that prayer is going to open for you three new phases of life. Now your Bible is open there at 1 John chapter 2 and I want you to have a pen or pencil ready. I'd like to make a suggestion to you. In John chapter 2 verse 12 I write unto you little children. Underline those words little children. That's phase one. Because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. Verse 13. I write unto you, fathers, underline that. Now that's going to be phase three. We'll see that as we get through the sermon. Because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, underline those words, young men. That's phase number two. Because ye have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children. You can underline that again. Because ye have known the father. I have written unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. Do you see here three basic phases of life? Obviously, before you can be a, a father, you've got to be a young man. Before you can be a young man, you've got to be the little child. Before the little child, you have to be a babe. That's, that's how we do it, folks, on earth, right? We enter the world as babies. This is typically the way it's done. We start off life as babies, then we grow and we become little children, and then we grow and we become young, strong men, generically speaking, and then we grow and we become the mature <clears throat> father figure. That's life. That's God's design. No one goes from being a babe to a father. It doesn't happen that way. God takes us through the stages. It's funny, you know, when we're, when we're uh, little babies, I suppose, or just able to walk or something like that, we'll look at 
an older brother or sister, two or three years older than us, and we're, oh, I wish I could, you know, wish I was like them. I wish I was as old as them. Sometimes if you want to hear something interesting, you say to a, a little three or a four-year-old maybe, say, uh, how old are you going to be when, when you're old? How old are you going to be when you're old? And they'll say, I'll be, I'll be 10 years, 10 years old. That's old? Yeah, that's old. We smile at that, but you see their perception. Their perception will change as they get older. Ours sure did, right? Ours surely did. Now, let's, uh, let's get into these phases. Phase number one. If you're taking notes, here's what you write down. Prayer will help us to know God better. Prayer will help us to know God better. And we see that clearly in verses 12 and 13. I write unto you little children. Now we're in phase one here. This is the little child stage. I write unto you little children because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. These are basic truths. Someone who is uh, progressing in their early Christian life hopefully will come to a realization that their sins are forgiven. All because of the blood of Jesus. It has nothing to do with their own good works. That's not the key. It's the gift of God. That's eternal life. And it comes through Jesus Christ. He shed blood. Verse 13, I write unto you fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you young men, because you have overcome uh, the wicked one. And here it is again. I write unto you little children, because you have known the father. Now, those of you who are parents, you know that when your baby is first born, they don't know you. The, the, only, the only affinity they might have is your, your voice. Uh, the babies can hear the, the mother's heartbeat in the womb. The babies can also hear the sound of the mother's voice. That's why I think it's important. You may think this silly, but I think it's important that when mom is, is pregnant and a little Junior's there in, the, in her tummy. The dad get his face down and start talking to his child. Maybe you know the, the gender. If you know it's a little boy, you say, Hello, son. This is your daddy. This is your daddy speaking. It sounds kind of funny, doesn't it? But these are things that the baby communicates with. And the baby will start to get used to the sound of dad's voice as well as mom's voice. And so here we get into now the, the little child stage because when the baby's first born, it doesn't really know mom and dad. But it takes a little bit. And then, you know, as the child begins to grow, they recognize, oh, that's mom, that's dad. You say, where's your mommy? Where's your mommy? And they point to mommy. Where's your daddy? And they point to daddy. You see, they get that affinity going, that relationship starts. And that's what we see here, the end of verse 13. I write unto you, little children, because ye have known the Father. Prayer will get you to know God like you've never known him before. That's what prayer will do. This is very important. We go from being babes to little children. And at this stage, we can begin to know God better. But prayer, and this is very important. Prayer must be coupled with Bible reading. You cannot divorce them. You cannot separate them. By the way, you heard that our prime minister and his wife have separated. It's been in the news, right? That breaks my heart. 
to see that happen. I, I, I hurt for them. I don't know all of the reasons, whys and wherefore, but I hope you're praying for our prime minister. See, well, what if I don't agree with his politics? <clears throat> well, do you agree he is the prime minister? Mm, yeah. Pray for him. The devil is trying to tear things apart in this country. Be praying for the prime minister and his wife. Who knows, maybe God will bring them back together. I hope so. But prayer and Bible reading have to go together. You cannot separate Bible reading and just, well, it's too hard for me to understand. I'll just pray. Mm, doesn't quite work that way. You need them both together. Just like children really do need a mom and a dad. I know it doesn't always happen that way. I know that. But, you know, you got to have both. God's given us two eyes, two ears, you know, two arms, two hands, two legs, two feet. You've you, you got to have them. You, you, you've got to have prayer and Bible reading together. They're meant to go together. This is the key. Say, why is that? It's because Bible reading is the fuel that powers the engine of prayer. Bible reading will empower your prayer. Otherwise, your prayers are useless. They don't have any power. The prayer engine is what is going to get your airplane out of the storage hangar and onto the runway. Does that make sense? Imagine a, an airplane with no engine. How far could you fly? You won't even get off the, you won't even get out of the hangar unless someone's there to tow you out, I suppose. Who, who wants an airplane that doesn't even move? That's no good. You say, I, I, want, to, uh, I want to fly to, to Toronto. So you go to uh, uh, YVR, the uh, Vancouver International Airport, you buy your ticket and you get on an Air Canada jet and you're sitting there and you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting and you see the captain. You say, oh, captain, when does this plane leave? And the captain says, oh, this plane doesn't go anywhere. What? No, we don't have an engine. You'd probably be a bit upset. What good is an airplane without some kind of engine? What good is it? I suppose you could sit in it. What good is that going to do you? Bible reading is a key. In fact, Bible reading is so important. Now listen to this. It's so important that God actually tells us in the Bible that if we ignore Bible reading, then our prayers can become abominations to God. That's in Proverbs 28 verse 9. He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, that's basically the Bible, even his prayer shall be an abomination. Now that ought to warn us. We ought to sit up and take notice. Wow, God puts a big priority on the Bible with prayer. So I hope that's very clear to us. Therefore, be sure you read lots of Bible. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, God says, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. It's sad how many Christians go day after day after day after day after day and never read the Bible. And I don't mean just taking the Bible and, oh, where am I going to read today? And flip, flip, and let their finger fall on a passage. Uh, what does that mean? Who knows? But that's my verse for the day. That's not Bible reading. No, you want to, you want to get, a Bible, get in a Bible reading habit. Every month in our, 
our church bulletin on the first Sunday of the month, and today is that Sunday, we put in Bible reading guides. Bible reading guides. If you follow that for a month, you'll have, in 12 months, you have your entire Bible read through. You need to be a Bible reader. And so what we're dealing with right now, the first phase one is the little child stage of our Christian growth. And in it, we're getting to know God better. Now, using the analogy of babies, babies typically start to crawl. Of course, their first achievement in life is to be able to turn themselves over. Right, moms? They can flip themselves over. But then six to 12 months, somewhere in there, give or take whatever, they start to learn how to crawl. They're able to get up on all fours and start crawling. And parents rejoice usually to see this kind of mobility in the child. Why? Because it's really a first accomplishment in the wonderful world of mobility. This is the first time that uh, the little boy, the little girl, they're just they're still in the kind of the baby stage, if you will. But they're making progress. There's mobility there. And that's a sign of physical growth. It's a strong evidence of physical growth. When you see your little infant starting to crawl by his self or herself. And prayer will also lead to strong evidence of Christian growth, spiritual growth. Many Christians have given testimony of experiencing great spiritual growth when they got serious. Underline the word serious about their Bible reading and their prayer. That's when they started to really grow. That's why it's so important. Prayer will grow you from being a babe in Christ to becoming a happy child of God. And that should be our goal. It should be normal, very normal. Crawling is great for a baby, but who wants to crawl for the rest of their lives? Unless there's some physical handicap or physical reason why a baby can't do anything more than that, okay, well, we understand for the rest of their life they won't be able to do anything more than crawl. There's a big physical deformity somehow. We understand that. But if that doesn't exist, then normally, naturally, the crawling should lead to what? How many parents are here? <laughs> After they crawl, what do they usually do? They walk, yeah. Hey, this is 101 stuff, isn't it? It's very basic, but it's true. It's very true. And God has established not just physical life, but spiritual life. And the two of them reflect. You know, you can look at yourself in the mirror one day and start to do a few simple tests, and you'll know where you're at spiritually. You should be thinking, Lord, where am I at? Am I at the babe stage where I'm just born again, but I don't really know you? Am I, am I at the little child stage where I'm really getting to know you? You know, what stage am I at, Lord? That's very important. Usually babies start walking somewhere around, give or take, 12 months, something like that. They start, well, at least they stand up, let's say that. They can start to pull themselves up. And then they begin walking shortly after that. Now it may be clunky and stilted, but hey, they get going. And before you know it, you can't keep them still. Walking is a milestone achievement for, a, uh, I'll say, a little child. Because it means they're really no longer a baby. When they can get up and they can start walking. They're not really a baby per se. They've become a toddler. 
and they toddle along, meaning someone who's starting to learn to walk. It is strong evidence of physical growth. What are the spiritual evidences of growing from a spiritual babe to a spiritual child in phase one? What are the evidence? Well, I'll tell you right now, one of the evidences, one of the evidence of spiritual children is they're sensitive to sin. They understand that there's a, a thing called sin. Brand new babes in Christ may not have that. They don't have their senses exercised to discern you know, right and wrong. But someone who's been saved for a little while and they enter into that little child stage, they understand. Boy, there's sin and righteousness and then there's, uh, there, 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 there's, there's sin, I should say, sin and wickedness and then there's, there's righteousness and, and goodness. They see the difference. They can sense it. They may not know all about it, but they, they clue in. They're sensitive to sin. Why? Because prayer has made them wise to understand what sin is. And here's something else about the normal, natural state of a spiritual child is they will repent of their sin. That's a natural, normal reaction to sin is they'll go to God and they'll repent. In 1 John 1, 9, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And by the way, a little note I throw in here at this point. If you don't think there's sin in your life, then either you're not really saved, you're not really a born-again Christian. In other words, your engine is dead. It's dead. Or, either that, or you're still a very baby Christian, and you can't even spiritually walk yet. Your engine may start, Vroom, 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 vroom. But your plane cannot move at all. You haven't learned how to move the plane. Prayer will help grow us from being a babe to being a spiritual child. And prayer will teach us to know God better. Better than we've ever known Him before. Look at the end of verse 13 again. Because ye have known the Father. Babes can't do what little children can do. Little children can know the Heavenly Father. Babes, they just know about God. It's only as they grow can they really begin to know Him. And so to know God really is to love God. The more you know Him, the more you love Him. To love God is to worship God. And all this enters you into a relationship with God you never had before. Now parents, you remember when your children, your babies became little toddlers and they're walking and you're talking to them and you're trying to help them explore the world around them. And then one day, it seems that communication starts opening up. Now you can talk to your son, to your daughter, and they're actually answering you back. They have communication skills. They have understanding skills. And now for the first time, you can have a meaningful relationship with your little one. Well, it's the same with God. When we're brand new saved, we're babes, God is looking forward to the day when we'll grow and we'll understand what sin is and what, you know, how to repent and how to have a conversation with God. He's looking forward to that because God saved you for himself. That's why he saved you. Normally parents, they have children for themselves. 
You see them and they say, oh, we want children. We want to have a child. Oh, we just want to have a little boy, a little girl, someone we can love, someone we can uh, take care of, someone we can help grow, someone who will love us back. And that's a normal, natural desire. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Where do we get that from? We got that from our Heavenly Father. He wants children that he can love and they will love him back and have a relationship. Folks, that is one of the distinguishing features between all of the other religions of the world and a true relationship with God as specified in the Bible. All these other world religions, they, they have a series of do's and don'ts and do's and don'ts, laws and rules and regulations. But what God is looking for is a relationship, an intimacy with you. And he can have that when you get into the phase one, the spiritual child stage. Hmm. Knowing and loving and worshiping God are all things that prayer will help you to be able to do. And God is looking forward to that day when you can do them. My, now, my, my question at this point is, have you learned to do these things? In the child phase, in the phase one, the spiritual child level, have you learned to do these things and are you doing them in your life? And if not, you need to start right away. Uh, a mother once went to her, her doctor and said, Doctor, I'm having trouble with my, my, my little boy. You know, he's, he's turning four and I'm having trouble with him. You know, he doesn't seem to be obeying. And, and what can I do? Do you have any advice? And uh, the doctor asked her, well, when did you start to, to teach him and train him? She said, well, I'm just starting to do that now. And he said, Mama, you'd better run home. You've wasted three or four years. You've got to get started now. You see, starting right away is important. You can have the greatest of desire and intention, but if you don't start, nothing's going to happen. You have to put the key in and turn it and get the thing going. You have to make that decision, maybe even today, to get started with some serious Bible reading and some, some serious prayer. So where do I start? Well, you can start in the Gospel of John. You can start there. You can go to the book of Proverbs or the book of Psalms. Eventually, you want to read your whole Bible through because it's all good. But you have to get involved with reading your Bible and praying, learning how to cry out to God. And so ask God today to help you to grow and develop, to feed you spiritually, to protect you and bless you. Ask Him to help you to grow. So as you can see, the prayers in the spiritual little child stage, in the phase one stage, the prayers of a spiritual little child tend to be more for themselves. You just look at the little children. Their world revolves around them. They're not so concerned about the needs of others. They're concerned about themselves. And some of them have hissy fits if they don't get what they think they need or want, right? Tantrum of some sort. Or a meltdown or some big drama or something. It's a little bit funny to watch them. But in their little world, they're trying to be very serious and communicate. Hey, I think I need, I want. Hey, no one's listening to me. That's the physical child stage. The spiritual child stage, our prayers are mostly going to be for, for me and for my loved ones. Me and the people that are close to me. That's what the prayer life consists of of a 
little child. But you see, that takes us to phase number two. Because God's will is not for us to stop, but to move on, to progress to phase number two. And we have that again in verses 13 and 14. I write unto you, young men, because ye have overcome the wicked one. Verse 14, I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. Children can't do that. Babes sure can't. But young men can. Now, when we talk about young men, what are we talking, 13, 14 years of age? No, we're talking like 20 years of age. We're talking men in their youth. They've got developed forms, skeletal strength and muscles, and boy, they can, they can do things. Realize this, or remember this, that a lot of the brave warriors and fighters and, and heroes of, of the world wars are these young men, 19, 20, 21 years of age. You get to 35, and that's old for the battlefield. Maybe they'll be sitting behind a desk or helping out some other, but the, the guys who are really out there getting the victories, it, it's, it's like in World War I, World War II, the, the guys who flew the Spitfires and the Sopwith Camels, you know, in the dog fights against the enemy, these guys were 18, 19, 20, 21, 22 years of age. They were the, the heroes of the nation, the, the aces. Rarely would you see anyone that would be above 30. Rarely. These are the young men. The young men stage when they're strong. They're able to take a stand. This is exciting. Listen, we, from babes we do become little children. But we don't want to stay there for the rest of our lives, do we? We want to progress and move on. There's so much more for us, more excitement. Things we can do. We come to this young man stage. And here we can be productive. We started off as babes in Christ. We read our Bible. We prayed. It helped us to become little children. Phase one. We got to know God better. We continued to pray. We continued to read our Bible. Now prayer helps us become young men. And we can do so much more. Than we ever could when we were little children. So remember, we're talking a healthy, strong stage of our Christian lives. We're no longer little, little kids. We can now do things we could never do before. We can go places. We can take a strong stand for Christ and take a stand against Satan. We can accomplish things for God that we've never been able to do before. We can learn to recognize right and wrong. Little children often can't do that. Little children, you know, there's a... Knock at the door, the doorbell rings, they open the door, there's the devil standing there with his pitchfork, and the little kid says, come on in, because he doesn't know. But now in the young man stage, you know, we, we go to the door, we open the door, the devil, slam that door goes, we can take a stand. We're much smarter now in the young man stage in this phase two. So our lives become more meaningful now than ever before. We have a divine purpose. Tell me, does your life have a divine purpose? Or are you one of those people that just have a job, a career, maybe a family, kids, a car, a vacation boat, or something like that? Is that your world? Is that your life? Or do you have a divine purpose from Almighty God? Because that's what this second stage is talking about. These are young men strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. 
They're not worldly. They're not taken up with worldly things. Now listen, many of them do hold down worldly secular jobs. But their heart and their mind is to live for the Lord. Not to live for retirement, a gold watch, a handshake, and then lay down on the beach in Florida or something. That's not their, their goal in life. What a difference. What a difference. Prayer coupled with Bible reading. Because Bible reading is the fuel that powers the engine of prayer. I made that analogy about an airplane and with an engine. You can have an airplane with an engine. And the engine can start. But if you can't leave the hangar, that's the storage room, the place where they put the airplane usually in the hangar. If you can't get out of the hangar, what good is your airplane? But here in this stage, you can not only start your engine, but you can start taxiing out of your hangar. You can, you can get out of your hangar. You can go down the, uh, the taxiways, whatever. You can get on to the, to the runway You can start doing things like you could never do before. And folks, you know that to be true. A 10-year-old wants to drive a car, uh, but can't. Not allowed to, and physically there's some problems there. A 16-year-old can drive a car. Oh, what a difference a few years can make. God wants us to progress from the little child stage to the young man stage. That's what he wants. Because we're now going to develop more relationship and intimacy with God than we've ever had before. And prayer is the key. It'll do it for you. If you get alone with God and read Bible and then start to pray. Learn to get on your knees and learn to cry out to God and start praying for things. And God will open the eyes of your understanding. You will see things that need to be prayed for. At this stage in in the Christian life. We begin to enter new levels of fellowship with God. We start to really understand God's heart and God's mind. We couldn't do that as little children. It's all because of prayer. We start to see things that are problems. Little children can't see that, but we can because now we're young men and we can see these problems and we can avoid them or take a stand against them. At this stage of our Christian lives, we begin to pray for power. The children couldn't do this, but as young men we can because we know we need it. We pray for power, power to serve God, power to help advance His kingdom here on earth. At this stage in our lives, we start getting involved with Christian service at church. And of course, there's all sorts of jobs that can be done for the Lord here at church. Usually at this stage also, we get involved with tithing, taking God at His word, His promise. We get involved with supporting missionaries around the world. Through faith promise, missions giving. At this stage of our Christian lives, our prayers are not just for ourselves and our loved ones. That's the little child stage. But at this point in the young man stage, our prayers would include ourselves and our family. But now we're going to start praying daily for missionaries who we know are on the far-flung corners of the world, serving Christ, trying to win souls and start churches. And we're going to be supporting them in prayer. We're going to be praying for people that we know that have needs We're going to be praying for people we know who are not saved. We're going to be begging and being intercessors at the throne of grace for their very souls. All this is very exciting. And this makes God our Father very pleased. But is this all there is? Does it end here? And the answer is by no means. God wants us to advance to the next phase of Christian growth. And that brings us to phase number three. Prayer will help us to become spiritual giants. 
for God. And again, you can see that in verses 13 and 14, I write unto you fathers. Again, in verse 14, I write unto you fathers. So you have clearly these three basic sections or segments of Christian growth. And this is where God wants us to get to be. Physical walking for a physical child is fantastic, but there's a whole lot more excitement involved than that. For the physical young man, there's running and there's jumping, there's Olympic games, there's riding a motorcycle, there's sailing a boat, there's flying a plane. And it's the same with being a spiritual young man. It's all great, but there's still more to come, folks. God's plan for us is to move ahead out of the young man stage into the third phase, the spiritual giant for God. And we do it by prayer. Prayer coupled with Bible reading. We start off babes, but our prayer has helped us to become little children. We continued as little children to pray. Prayer helped us to become young men. We continue to pray. Prayer now helps us to become spiritual giants for God. And this is when we become the wise father figure, the stable, trustworthy pillar of a Christian. And my friends, this opens up a whole new world of adventure. More than we ever had as children, more than we ever had as young men. You see, mature adults, they have so much more ability and wisdom and influence and money and joy. And this is God's design. This is where he wants every one of us to come here on earth. As spiritual fathers, we're able to offer excellent leadership and wise counsel. We can see, listen to this, the, uh, the child goes to the door, opens it up, there's the devil. And he may say, come on in. The young man goes to the door, opens it up, sees the devil, slams the door. But the father, he'll go to the window and see, oh, it's the devil. I won't even go to the door. You see the difference? The father is able to foresee the evil. He is able to see the problem before it comes a problem. The young man can't do that, but he can struggle and grapple with the problem. But over time, prayer, coupled with Bible reading, has turned the young man into a father. And now the father is much more cool, calm, and collected, trusting in his heavenly father. This wise spiritual father has power and wisdom and insight and can offer good leadership and wise counsel. And when something happens, he knows enough to look through the peephole or look through the window before he goes opening the door. This is where God wants us to be. We enter into, at this point in our lives, we enter into the deepest relationship and fellowship we can ever have with God on earth. It's something like when Moses went up into the mountain and met with God and came down with his face shining. It's something like when Jesus would get alone with the Heavenly Father. I mean, at one point on the Mount of Transfiguration, even his clothes got all glowing and, and radiant. That's something, that experience, that fellowship is something that God wants to give us. Where are you? in your spiritual development? Where do you want to be in your spiritual development? I think that's very important. Spiritual fathers have more power in prayer. They have more insight into the Bible than ever before. But remember, the, 
The Bible fuels the engine of prayer. Never forget that. This third spiritual stage, God will give insights into the Bible like we've never had before. He'll open the eyes of our understanding. We'll see things and understand things we never knew before. God will give us more power in prayer than we ever thought possible. This third stage, your prayers will not be just for yourself and your loved ones. No, that's the little child stage. You'll still do them. They're important. But it won't end there. Then in the young man stage, you're praying for missionaries and you're praying for lost people. But your prayers won't stop there either. Now, as a spiritual father, you'll begin to see the world as God sees the world. You'll begin to see the nations and the needs. What some spiritual fathers do is they take the daily newspaper the headlines, and they go into their prayer closet and get on their knees and start praying for this country and for this war that's going on and for this economic problem over here. They'll pray for for missionaries they don't even know. They'll pray for world leaders they, they will never even meet. Because now, you see, they're seeing the world as God sees it. Little children can't do that. Young men don't do that. They don't know enough to do that. But spiritual fathers do. We see this, of course, in the life of Jesus. He prayed for the nations of the world. He prayed for God's kingdom to come. So we have to conclude here. Where are you at today in the stages of spiritual growth? Are you at the baby stage? Are you at the young child stage? Are you at the young man stage? Are you at the father stage? Are you wishing for greater heights? of spiritual fellowship with God and more power in your life. I want to invite you to get serious today. To get serious today. Listen, if you are a babe, don't expect to become a father by the time you walk out of here. But you can expect to be on the well on the road to becoming a young child if you'll be serious with God about it. If you're a, a little child, you can, you can expect to be seriously on your way to become a young man. If you get serious today, I want to give you that opportunity in our invitation. I know some of you say, well, I'm allergic to invitation. I never come forward on invitations. Well, that's up to you. But I'm telling you, 42 years in the ministry, it's been my experience to see that people get serious when they'll step out of their comfort zone. They'll come to God. Others will come. You just slip in along and come along with them. I want to invite each and every one of us to take a spiritual step today. Before we stand and pray, I want to, I want to recognize this, that there might be one or two or more here today where, using that analogy, your plane isn't flying around the world. Your plane hasn't even gotten off the runway. Your plane may still be in the hangar because your engine's dead. And that means you need Jesus Christ. You need to be born again. That's the very words of Jesus. He must be born again. You need to repent of your sin and trust in Jesus as your one and only means to get to heaven. You must acknowledge the fact to Jesus Christ that you are a sinner cut off from heaven because of your sin. The only possible eternal destiny for you is a place called hell 
Did you know that Jesus spoke more about hell than he ever did about heaven in his earthly ministry? He spoke a lot about hell. It's a real place, folks. And people end up there because they refuse God's one and only remedy. And that's salvation through Jesus Christ. If God has spoken to your heart today, let me ask this. If you died today, do you know for sure, for sure you'd go to heaven or do you kind of hope you would? Well, that should draw a line in the sand for you right there. Either you know or you don't know. If I asked you, are you alive? You'd say, oh yeah, I know I'm alive. I know that. You drive a car? Yes, here's my license to prove it. Are you married? Yes, here's my marriage certificate. Here's the day and the year and the month when I got married. Okay, when did you get born again? When did you become part of God's family? It has nothing to do with the works of our righteousness. Baptism, communion will never get anyone to heaven. It's only one-on-one personal relationship with Jesus Christ where we come to Jesus and say, okay, I'll be honest. There's sin in my life. I can't get to heaven. I can only end up in hell. I don't want to end up in hell. Lord Jesus, would you be my savior? Would you forgive me my sin? Come into my heart and be my savior. It's an open door invitation. If you open your heart, he will come in. So if you're here today and you've never done that, maybe you've always thought you're a bit too self-righteous. Oh, God will never send someone like me to hell. I've never murdered anyone. No, but you've thought about it. You've had a lot of wicked thoughts. You've said a lot of things you shouldn't have said. You've broken promises. Lots and lots of little things. Enough sin there to condemn anyone. If you will come to Jesus, he'll forgive that sin. That's the good news. That's what the gospel's all about. Good news there's salvation available for you. Would you stand to your feet so we can pray? Let's all stand together in a word of prayer. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.